Welcome to the Around the Cauldron podcast, your mystical water cooler where we avoid work and chat about all things magic and metaphysics. You know, the shit you can't talk about with your other friends. I'm your host, Eliza. And I'm your host, Grace. We're bi-coastal BFFs and practitioners broadcasting from Boston and LA, ready to get witchy and woo with all of you. Hello, mystically minded, witchy, and woo. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to do our second episode in our divination series, and we're going to talk about dousing. And no, we're not talking about throwing water on people. (laughs) God, I hate myself sometimes. (laughs) If if I knew enough to do sound effects, I would put the the cymbal noise in there, the drum and cymbal noise. Or the wah, wah. <laughs> Both would be appropriate. Uh, Grace, what do you know about dowsing? When I think about dowsing, I think about the dowsing rods, you know, mm-hmm. the big, long metal rods that, it, that yep. just remind me of like giant antennas that people are carrying around. And I think uh-huh. <laughs> they sort of maybe operate that way, but I guess we'll find out. Yep, that is correct. So that is one tool in the trade of dowsing. So for those of you who have never heard of it before, dousing is the act of looking for something, whether that's a physical thing or an answer to something uh, using actual materials. Dousing in historical purposes has often been used to find actual things. So we have lots of evidence uh, from paintings and art and things that dousing is a very ancient practice used to find things, particularly water. So I don't know if you've ever seen or when you were a kid or whatever, you see those Y-shaped sticks and you hold it out and you walk around and point it around. And then when it turns downward, that means there's water there. So that is a very, very old practice. And people have been doing that for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. However, dousing has also been used for lots of other things. And now, well, not super now, but dousing is also used in occult practices. So historically for occult practices, they are taken from a forked piece of hazel, rowan, or willow wood, or a Y-shaped metal rod or a pendulum suspended by a nylon or silk thread in an attempt to detect such hidden substances as water, minerals, treasure, archaeological remains, and even dead bodies. Oh. Yes. So our first documented practice that we have in terms of like actual writing as opposed to like pictorial evidence of uh, dowsing is from about the Middle Ages in Europe. So the way dowsing is supposed to work is the dowser appears to have or receive transmissions from whatever object you're looking for uh, to cause involuntary muscular contractions, which in turn make the rods bend or quiver violently. Some dowsers claim to be able to detect buried substances merely by passing a dowsing rod over a map of the area where the substance is hidden. It reminds me of like, um, uh, you know, somebody one day is like sitting in a room studying this somewhere and is like, boy, we've come a long way with technology. I bet I could make, I bet I could make a real intricate technological device that would act this way. And then we ended up with 
the thing that people use on the beach. What is that? The metal detector. Oh yeah. The metal detector. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like this is like, yeah, totally. It's an ancient metal detector and just find a Y shaped stick and, and find stuff instead of using the metal detector that beats. Though I think it would be awesome if somehow we managed to come up with a Y shaped stick that would beep. Mm, that would be interesting. I'm going to patent it. Wait for it. It's going to happen. So as I mentioned, the history of dowsing is considered to be a very, very ancient practice, mainly used to find water. We have artwork in caves, tombs, etc., that portray people that seem to be dowsing. Uh, there are also, also allusions to dowsing in the Bible, not, you know, obviously they don't come out and say that they're dousing and divining for things, but um, certain phrases have kind of suggested that that practice was taking place. Uh, as we know today, uh, dowsing is believed to have originated in medieval Germany as a way for to find ore for mining, and they were so successful at it that actually England would contract Germans to come over and help them develop their practice of dowsing so they can find the minerals they need to mine. Oh, interesting. They're like, boy, right? those Germans are really good at finding, <laughs> finding ore for mining. We better bring them over right? for dowsing. Germans, good at science from day one. <laughs> So fun story. So from the 17th century. So when I was doing my research, I thought this was awesome. So there is a famous French detective named Jacques Aymar from Lyon, who was known as a dousing detective. Oh, yeah. So rumor has it that one day in Lyon, these three thieves broke into someone's house, stole a bunch of stuff, and when the wife freaked out, so they went and stole a bunch of stuff, I believe killed a husband and his wife saw some of their faces, but wasn't able to catch them. She went to the authorities. They were struggling. They weren't able to find these a-holes that stole her stuff and killed her husband. Mm -hmm. In comes Jacques Amar, divining detective. <laughs> he comes in with his stick. What a cool yeah. time like that, divine. Right? Uh-huh. Manages to find all three, all three fugitives and brought them to justice. Wow. And so needless to say, he enjoyed a bit of celebrity around his ability to solve crimes and solve mysteries using his divination techniques with his divining rods. So now wait, did way he was he using the whole like map approach? Like, was he like doing this all from his office? Like, all right, so $500 and I'll sit exactly where I am now, <laughs> bring a map out <laughs> and tell you where these fugitives are. No. Okay. So being that this was the 17th century, he actually went out and found them. And now the way that he stumbled upon this, uh, the skill that he has was that apparently one day he was using dousing to try and find a spring for his crops in his field. So he was going around, you know, like pointing the stick, trying to find some water. Like you do. And yep. And stick indicated something was there, started digging, was hoping to find the spring for his crops. Dun, 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 finds a body. Oh. Yeah. Definitely finds a body. not water. <laughs> Definitely not water. Finds a body, alerts the authorities. And from then on, he was the divining detective that solved crime using 
dousing. Wow. Pretty rad, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, dousing has a very storied and interesting history. In the 16th century, however, Martin Luther did indicate that dousing was verboten. Oh. And yeah, unallowable as he believes that it violated the first commandment. So it was considered kind of a satanic practice. Needless to say, people didn't really listen and continued to do it because they had been using dousing for finding water and minerals, etc. from time immemorial. Isn't that and still continue right? to do it? Like yeah. so many cultural practices that the you know on their own, but also some that appear in the Bible. Eventually, someone says, nope, those are evil. You can't do them anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Until they're like, nah, don't like it. Yeah. Um, but it was such a common practice that it just kind of persisted throughout history. And so much so that English miners were using dousing as a technique to try and find mineral ore for mining up through the late 19th century. So that was a very consistent practice. And there are still places today, uh, like different uh, water companies and water agencies and things that still use dousing, not as an official practice, but as kind of like a, as they refer to it, a pseudoscience or a superstitious practice. The fact that they even use dousing in some militaries might surprise you. So apparently there are reports that in Vietnam, the American military, actually some people use the dousing technique to try and find hidden bombs and traps. Oh. Right? Interesting. Therein comes the metaphys. So not only are they trying to find actual things that are from the earth, so or water, things like that, mm -hmm. they are using this technique to try and find a thing that they are thinking about existing. So trying to find the unknown, trying to uncover the unknown. So they're programming the dowsing rods in a similar way, maybe to the way that we think of pendulums. Correct. Well, pendulums are considered dowsing instruments. Oh yeah, that's as, right. Yep. As we will get into shortly. So Around the 18th century, uh, physics and physicians started using dowsing technique, more of a metaphysical thing. Uh, it's reported that Leonardo da Vinci used dowsing tools in his practices, and even Albert Einstein is, quote, Einstein is quoted in saying, the dowsing rod is a simple instrument which shows the reaction of the human nervous system to certain factors which are unknown to us at this time. So cool. So cool. So even Albert Einstein was like, there's just shit we can't explain. It's fine. Yeah. His genius brain yeah. was like, guys, yeah. this He's one, like, it just even works. I can't figure out. <laughs> yeah. But it works. It just works. So whenever science has tried to actually uh, do experiments to validate this practice as something that works, uh, they haven't been able to prove it. So in controlled environments, dousing has never yielded any success which isn't surprising to me. I, I feel like this isn't one of those things where you can have a control and then like test things against that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not surprised it is considered to this day to be a pseudoscience, but there are plenty of people around the world that still use it as a practice. And it has been used in metaphysical circles 
across the globe for a long, long, long time. And of course, because this is a witchy and woo podcast, we're going to talk about those things right now. So maybe we're, I don't know if we'll get into this later, but I feel like, and this is a very vague recollection, and I'm wondering if you've ever seen it, but I seem to recall having watched like different ghost hunting shows and things of that nature where people are using dowsing rods to identify spirit energy in a house. Well, I actually have a personal anecdote for you in that case. So in 2004, 2004, my mother and I took a driving trip around uh, Great Britain. And my mom loves haunted shit. I like haunted shit. It scares me more than it scares her. She decided she wanted to spend a night in the most haunted castle in Great Britain. Oh, God. This would be called Chillingham Castle. Yes, that's literally <laughs> what it's called. Chillingham Castle. Beautiful medieval castle in Northumbria. Amazing place. Still has the same Iron Maiden that they were using in the medieval period to kill people in their dungeon. Oh, so that's a thing. Can it even open yeah. anymore? Who's in charge of like cleaning and oiling that? <laughs> no idea. Didn't get close enough to it to really find out. <laughs> So uh, we got a room there, stayed the night. I was terrified. No fucking joke. Sidebar. There was an electrical storm and we lost power. Of course. Of course. Right? Of course. So I was freaking the fuck out. Uh, we had no lights. So we ended up coming downstairs and there was a, and a so there were, I think, three or four apartments that they rented out at a time. And so we were at the top one and there were these two ladies that I believe were friends or sisters or something that were staying at the one below us. And they had divining rods, the metal ones that look like L's that, you know, like cross or whatever. And they were there to do ghost hunting. And so they were looking around their apartment and there were a couple places that, you know, the, the rods had crossed and they had, determined there was some spirit energy. So my mom took them up to our apartment. I chose not to go because I was terrified. And in the one room where my mother and I absolutely refused to go in, apparently they crossed over and over and over and over again. Oh, creepy. Real creepy. She didn't tell me this until after we left, which is good. Because Probably for the was, best. <laughs> yeah, I already was like not sleeping and fucking freaking out and it was terrible. And, oh, God. I mean, it was amazing in retrospect, but it was, it was terrifying. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, oftentimes, people will use divining rods to detect spirit energy. And I'm guessing like the copper metal ones make a lot of sense for that because doesn't spirit energy give off like electromagnetic mm -hmm. uh, signatures or something? Um, yeah, um, yeah, that's why I have. Reversed? Yeah, so it's sort of like we were talking about before the metal detector as a next level 2.0 version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, totally. Uh, like the EMF readers, right? The electromagnetic right. readers that they, that beep uh -huh. off, like the metal detector. <laughs> Yeah, the ones that go off and you watch ghost adventures and you're like, oh, yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like the, up to the, some ghosts. Yeah, the stronger the 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 louder, the more frequently it beeps, the stronger the energy is. Yep, pretty much. So yes, 
long story short, uh, people do use divining rods to detect spirit energy. And people use dowsing methods for a lot of different things. And dowsing has been used a lot in folk magic over, you know, geography and time. So the most common tool used in metaphysical uh, dowsing is the pendulum. So essentially that can be anything, any weighted object at the end of a string. Mm -hmm. It should be kind of symmetrical and very even and everything so that you don't kind of get any kind of balance one way or the other. But people have been using pendulums in folk magic and conjure and things like that for eons. So a lot of times people have been known to use uh, pendulums to indicate the sex of a baby, mm -hmm. to find something that's lost, to answer a question. So all of those kinds of things. So we're gonna get into a little bit of how that's done. Grace, in the meantime, have you ever used a, a pendulum? Yes, I have used a pendulum and I, oh, I've had a few different ones. Um, I think the most valuable thing I learned while searching for the right one um, is that it's important to spend some time with the pendulum. Um, if it's, you know, if, it, if the end of it is made of some sort of crystal, um, I usually adopt the same practice that I would with any piece of crystal jewelry. So holding it, meditating with it for about 14 days to sort of build an energetic uh, bridge or connection to it. Um, I have had the most success, however, with something that it has been in my family for a while. And oh, cool. <laughs> I think that probably some people listening will think that it's like sacrilege when I say this out loud, but it's um, a rosary actually that. Oh, that's really cool. I don't think that's sacrilege. I mean, some people will obviously, yeah. but no, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So it's a rosary that my mom had in her jewelry box. I remember looking at it and admiring it and really like loving it as a kid. Um, I think maybe when I was a teenager, she gave it to me and it became mine. And that's the most reliable one that I've worked with. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like um, anytime that you're using it, I mean, it really could be anything, right? It could be a rock tied to the end of a string. <laughs> you know, it, it really could be anything. Most typically these days, you can buy pendulums that are any type of crystal that you want. Uh, if you have a specific thing that you want your pendulum to accomplish, maybe use a crystal association with that. You can never go wrong with maybe a clear quartz or an amethyst that is pretty universal. Uh, mine is a uh, lapis lazuli. And the reason why I chose that is because I wanted to channel from my, my throat in my third eye. Mm -hmm. So I used that as a way to kind of just open myself up to receive information. Uh, so if you, and even if you just see one that's pretty that you're attracted to, that has no affiliation whatsoever, that works just fine. I will it say really that is the, personal preference. Yeah. Recently, I did hear from someone that they had that they were working with. Maybe it was obsidian or hematite. That was the crystal at the end of their pendulum. And that mm. it was the one that was giving them the most difficulty of any of the ones that they had tried. And I thought, 
like the first thing that came to me was, yeah, that makes sense because those stones are usually used to sort of bounce off negative energy. And so mm-hmm. they're not necessarily receivers. They're, they're more repelling. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me too. And so yeah. we're asking, we're asking a crystal for answers that's naturally designed to have things bounce off of it rather than amplify or bring things in closer. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. And you can try any method you want, you know, and there are tons of books on how you actually start dousing with, you know, either your, your Y-shaped stick, your rods or your pendulum. I'm mostly going to focus on the pendulum because I feel like in terms of the kinds of divination that we do in our cult practice, it's more so um, Mm question-based. So something that's really important I think that I've found uh, when I have been doing pendulum work is to really connect with your tool, uh, find whatever works for you, whether it's a rosary, whether it's an actual crystal pendulum, whether it's a rock tied to the end of a stick, mm-hmm. uh, whatever makes the most sense, sit with it in the quiet with your thoughts, connect with it like you were talking about, Grace, and really decide how you want the relationship to go. So it's a very physical thing, right? Because you hold it suspended and you watch what happens. And so you need to make a connection with your pendulum as to how you're gonna receive information. So if you're gonna do a yes or no question, true or false question, anything like that, you need to kind of program it Mm -hmm. in a way to see what yes and no looks like. So for some people, yes might look like back and forth. For some people, yes might look like a circle. Some people, yes might, I don't know, look like it jumping into the sky. I don't know. You know, it it just looks however it's going to look. And so you have to sit with it and decide either how you want it to look or ask it how it's going to actually deliver that information. That's most often what I've done where I've said I've, sat with it and I said you know I've said at the beginning of readings for example show me yes or show me no or show me unclear <laughs> you know unclear is yeah, exactly just, you know not moving at all but I've seen it as like a reciprocal you know a mutual relationship so I have left it to the the tool to decide you know where the meaning comes from and then I am the the receiver and then reflector of that information to someone else totally And I think it's also a good practice that when you start working with a pendulum or you decide that you're going to, to try and connect with your guides and see if maybe there's one particular guide that is going to be the one that, you know, you kind of use, so to speak, Mm -hmm. or channel to get your information from, or if you're just going to get whatever information from whoever has the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it's a good idea if you have a moment to just sit and talk to your guides and say, hey, this is my intention. This is what I'd like to do. I'd love your help. Please help me get the correct information. Help me, you know, just just connect. It's another good reason to connect with your guides and to work with them and kind of develop that working relationship. And they can help guide you in the right direction. So you can go beyond just doing yes, no, maybe questions. And you can even ask if something's lost in your house. You can say, please point me in the direction of where my keys are. And oftentimes people use that. 
So they use their pendulum, just like finding water or finding iron ore or anything or finding a body. <laughs> you know, you can ask. Hopefully, guys, you don't have bodies in your house. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you don't have bodies in the house. I mean, it, you might just not want to know. So <laughs> I would just maybe avoid that one altogether. You can use a divining mat. So I actually want to get one of these really bad. I don't have one. What is that? I've never heard of that before. Okay. So they're really, really cool. So they're almost like, you know, those mats that you can get for um, reading tarot or you can put them on your altar or whatever. And they're either really pretty or they're designs or whatever. So you can get one that has like, it's like a wheel and they're like different answers, almost like a eight ball where it's got yes, no, maybe blah, blah, blah. It'll say like, I don't know. It has a bunch of different stuff. Like they they make them in all different ways. I know there's one that actually um, has a bunch of runes on it. So you can oh. use your pendulum to choose the runes if you don't actually have runes on you, mm -hmm. which I think is rad. So if you want to make your life easier, you can just get the mat and have it tell you the answers. So those exist and they're beautiful and you can get those if you want. But Harkening back to our argument from the, you know, time immemorial, you don't got to spend a lot of money to make this stuff work. You can even write it on a piece of paper, for God's sake. If, if that if that makes more sense to you, write it out on a piece of paper what the possible answers are. And just ask, you know, the pendulum to show you which answer it is. I think that you might find, I personally find that my body responds very physically to doing this kind of dousing. So like I find, I don't know about you, but I, I end up rocking a lot or like moving kind of in a similar way that um, the pendulum moves. Uh -huh. So it's very much like an electrical physical impulse for me. So you might feel that. So be prepared. You might also not feel that. You might feel nothing. Uh, it really manifests differently for everybody else. So that's why it's really important to just kind of sit with it, practice, don't decide whether or not you're going to quit your job based on, you know, the first two times you use your pendulum, not the best <laughs> idea. Also, generally speaking, I try to discourage people from making major huge life decisions based on divination in general. Granted, it can always help you make decisions, never rely on it solely, you have free agency. Uh, that is my disclaimer. Yeah, and you guys know that we've talked before about how important it is to take spiritual wisdom and put it together with 3D wisdom, right? Yeah. So if your pendulum tells you to only eat Twinkies for the rest of your life, we might have to <laughs> sit down and examine if you might have an internal desire to eat Twinkies for the rest of your life Precisely. and have thus interpreted your pendulum as such. <laughs> Correct. Um, the other thing that came to mind as I was hearing you talk about this stuff was um, Ouija boards, uh, especially when yeah. you're talking about the pendulum on the wheel that has mm -hmm. different, um, you know, either answers on it or runes. And I know that a lot of people are freaked out by Ouija boards and they think that you're, this is, you know, um, compounded by any horror movie that you've probably ever watched where mm -hmm. Ouija boards are involved that somehow by using a divination tool, you're opening up a door to somewhere and you can't control what's coming through. And I just want to take a second to say to people that 
with your intentionality in place and um, and the power that you have as a, a spirit in a body, you are actually the most powerful being in, in any sort of scenario that, that might happen like that. Generally speaking, I don't really think that, you know, you're opening a door and a malevolent spirit is coming through this door because you're using a, a Ouija board and asking us no question. I don't think that happens if you're using a pendulum on a wheel and asking, you know, you know, for answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do have, if you are someone who has that fear, I think that you can rest assured in the fact that you are more powerful than anything that you'll encounter. And, um, you know, it is as easy as calling on your guides to help you um, in your work and to align with your intention and to let all else fall away, to be in that safety, that safe space, that little bubble that you create. Absolutely. I totally agree. I, I feel like having the fear will potentially open you up to a negative experience, but knowing that you have agency and you have sovereignty over yourself in your experience changes everything. Mm-hmm. I, I remember as a, as a youth, I was really freaked out by Ouija boards. I knew people that had bad experiences, who knows if they were real or if they're imaginary or what, but I had a very negative affiliation with it. And I feel like the minute I found out that I could just say no, it all changed. It Mm -hmm. all changed. Mm -hmm. I personally am not a huge fan of Ouija boards. I believe you can do a version of version of a Ouija board called an angel board where you just make it yourself and you bless it and you ask for protection and you can get answers that way. It's very similar to dousing. Um, you can even use it with your pendulum instead of the planchette thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it really is a matter of creating the environment and setting the intention. And if you have any kind of innate fears, and I'll admit, I still struggle a little bit because I grew up in a very fire and brimstone kind of religious community where I have to actively ask for protection and ask for guidance and do that so that I can feel secure in what I'm doing. So uh, even if you're a practitioner, you know, it's still, you know, that trauma comes back. It really does. But Try to be safe in the knowledge that you have agency and you have sovereignty. Uh, that does exist. Yeah. Usually in an invocation or something, if, even if I'm just saying it in my head, I'll say something like only, only those who come in love are welcome. Yeah. That's it. Nobody else is invited Perfect. to the party. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Sorry, you don't get a wristband. Yep. What if you're using your pendulum and it just ain't working? It just ain't working. What do we do? What do we do? Got a stubborn pendulum. You got a stubborn pendulum. It won't work. Hits you in the face. I don't know. You just don't like it. A. It's an abusive pendulum, I guess, too. An abusive pendulum. (laughs) To clarify, I've never had pendulum hit me in the face. It is very unlikely. That was a joke. So (laughs) I sometimes worry that people think I'm serious when I'm talking absolute bullshit, but you know, just in case, just cover our asses. If you feel like it's just not working, maybe question whether or not you actually connect with your pendulum. It might just be a thing that you might just need a different thing. You might need a new one. You might need a different one. You might need to just switch it out. Maybe that particular pendulum is more aligned with a certain kind of question than what you are trying to find out at that moment. 
Maybe you have pendulums you work for you use for spirit work, pendulums you use for finding lost things, you know. I, it really all is personal, but it's that that being said, you have to find a way to make the pendulum work for you. So you also have to think about the frame of mind you're in. A lot of times I find that when my pendulum isn't working is when I'm distracted and I'm often distracted. So take some time, take some deep breaths, try to meditate and be present. Because when your mind is someplace else, your mind is more powerful than you think, you can potentially influence what's happening. Mm -hmm. Try to be open to what spirit is telling you. And if you know that you're in a place where like you're stressed out and distracted and can't possibly just be in the moment, maybe just take some time and do it at another time. You just kind of have to relax. Also, sometimes you have to rephrase your questions, right? Sometimes you can ask a question and perhaps spirit is trying to convey a message to you that the question you're asking isn't the right question. Maybe given a scenario that you need some guidance with, the connection, the question shouldn't be, should I X? It might be, what if X? You know what I mean? Sometimes phrasing really matters. And if spirit is trying to convey something very particular to you, you're going to have to think of different ways of asking your questions and different potential answers that you can be given. Other than that, play with it. You just play with it a lot. And if you play with your pendulum, that sounds really bad. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm a grown up, I swear. Um, play with it. <laughs> and develop your own connection and read it in a way that makes sense to you. Uh, there are tons of guides and things online and books and everything where you can find tips and the way other people do it. And sometimes the way that they say to, you know, to use your pendulum works for you. Sometimes you just have to develop your own method. So just take some time with it. Like everything, don't expect to be good at it right away. Don't expect to come, don't expect it to come to you immediately. Just take some time, practice, and find what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of think of a pendulum as like an extension of you and your and your energy, and acting as like an antenna for, for spirit. Yeah. So that's why I think I've had the most luck with things that I own or that I have had for a very long time. So mm -hmm. I definitely like if you're somebody who has had difficulty finding a pendulum that works for you start looking at stuff you own like a necklace yeah or totally um, you know like the rosary like I was talking about or anything like that anything that sort of like dangles <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah um and then I, I really wanted to come back to also what you were saying Eliza before about how sometimes when you do it and you have a like a physical sensation or a physical reaction um mm -hmm sort of either, you know, rocking side to side, or a lot of times what will happen too is going in a circle and often it will happen mm -hmm. in circles that are rotating towards the left, which is um, a pretty good sign that your crown chakra is open actually, because the chakras, they rotate to the left. So there's oh, that. Oh, that's interesting. Open. I didn't know that. That crown chakra is where you're receiving spirit information. And with this pendulum, that's like an extension of your hand and your energy and your, is like an antenna. It's, you've got a really good rhythm going on if that's happening. So that's a good sign, you know, if that, if that happens for you. I never knew that. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. 
cool. Well, that's all I got. That's what I got on uh, dousing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eliza, for all your awesome research. I've definitely learned You're way welcome. more about dousing than I knew. And uh, I think with that, we'll talk to you guys next time. Have fun. Happy dousing. Thanks for avoiding muggle life with us at the Cauldron Cooler. If you like our magical banter, please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever newfangled podcast platform the kids use these days. And tell your friends to give us a listen, real or imaginary. If you have any feedback, questions, or just want to say hi, you can email us at aroundthecauldronpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at around underscore the underscore cauldron and like our page on Facebook. I'm sure we'll do more social media things once we get the hang of all this nonsense.